The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. There's a topic that I've been teaching on for, um, for a little while. I've uh, been putting more time into teaching on this recently. Um, and actually, before I, before I go any further, I just want to share for those who maybe come to Thursdays regularly or come to IMC regularly, I, I'm thinking of structuring the evening a little bit differently than normally, as you probably have noticed already. We already had the announcements. Oh, we didn't have the announcements. Okay. Um, do you want to do those now or at the end of the evening? End. We'll do them at the end. We're, we're sorting it out as we go. Um, I, I thought I would say a few things first, just to kind of frame the evening, uh, frame the topic, uh, and then we'll sit together for maybe f- 35 or 40 minutes, and then I'll offer some guidance during the sitting, and then I'll talk a little more afterwards, the sitting, and then we'll have some questions and discussion at the end. So you know what to expect. So... <clears throat> Emotions are, you know, part of our common human heritage. It's one of the things we all experience being human is that we feel things, and it's just part of how we're built. Um, but we, uh, we've inherited certain uh, beliefs or assumptions about our emotions. And so um, it's helpful to, to just elucidate some of those a little bit uh, as we as we enter this terrain and look at what does it mean to be mindful of an emotion and how do we start to practice uh, finding more balance and poise and freedom in the face of the emotions that we experience in our lives. Uh, so, you know, what what do we inherit in terms of emotions? Well, first first we. Uh, we inherit this body, right? So when we're born, we inherit um, not only the, the genes from our parents, but the uh, history of evolution in, in our species. And that means that our nervous system has a certain kind of wiring um, to want to avoid pain, to want to move towards pleasure, We inherit the sensitivity of of our bodies. You know that we we feel things. We're affected by things, sights and sounds and smells and things that touch us. So we feel an effect, and that's that's just physiological, right? So I think it's helpful in just beginning to, to look at emotions, to recognize um, that our bodies are built to feel things. It's not some kind of failing or anomaly that we feel emotions, that we have pleasure and pain and then reactions to that, feelings about it. It's also helpful to recognize that um, we live in a particular civilization that has a history of ideas. And so uh, 
depending on where you grew up and what you were exposed to, you may have inherited some of those ideas that particularly I'm thinking of the ones that I'm most familiar with come from Western civilization. Uh, and starting with the time of Plato and the Greeks, maybe even before then, uh, this idea that emotions were irrational and needed to be uh, controlled and contained by reason, right? And le- lest we, you know, allow them to take us over and do all sorts of uh, unhelpful things. So just recognizing if, you know, some of that view is there in your mind or in your heart, that emotions are irrational or that they need to be controlled or that they're not okay, you know, and seeing that that's not particular to you, that that's something that comes from thousands of years of philosophy and ideas as a human species, as a human race in, in the West. And I, I, I hope to convince you that that's actually not the case, that emotions don't need to be rational and that they don't need to be suppressed or controlled. We have, um, we've inherited a lot from our family of origin, right? So what did each of us learn in our family about emotions? About which emotions are safe to feel or to express? And which emotions are not acceptable to have? We learn things from our family and from our society based on our gender about emotions. What emotions are okay to feel as a man or as a woman? What's okay to express? So just recognizing there are all of these layers of conditioning that we inherit that then filter Uh, filter our experience that color how we relate to our emotions and that maybe even uh, play into what we feel the very emotions that that we experience I also like to say that um, we inherit something else when we're born which is we inherit the potential for awakening. Right? We, we inherit conscious awareness. And that's also part of how we're built, is that we can be aware. We can wake up. We can know what's happening. We can reflect. We can be self-aware. And, and it's this capacity that we all have that provides the potential for freeing ourselves from other things we may have inherited that don't serve us. Whether it's social or even biological, the pleasure-pain principle serves us in some, in some cases, right? If you, 
you know, I was cooking uh, a couple nights ago and I, I burned my hand. So, you know, when I, when I felt that heat, my, I pulled my hand away immediately. I didn't have to think about it because my body avoids, avoids the pain and that's quite adaptive, that's helpful, right? I'm guessing you probably had a meal or two today because you were hungry and it felt good to eat. Well, that's the pleasure principle. That's very helpful that we enjoy eating. We wouldn't live very long if that weren't the case. You know? But that same, that same conditioning of moving towards pleasure and moving away from pain starts to get us into trouble when it's things that aren't necessarily about our survival. You know? Someone's doing something you don't particularly like, it's slightly unpleasant, and then all of a sudden we hate that person. Or, you know, someone looks different from us and we feel uncomfortable and so we judge them. We try to avoid or get away from or get angry at that which is unpleasant. You see, it's the same principle. We move away from pain, but it's no longer adaptive. It's no longer actually helpful to our organism, often in psychological or the emotional realms. So it's our awareness that allows us to see that at play and do something different. To cultivate patience, kindness, understanding, and ultimately to actually understand the way our mind is working, the way our heart is functioning. So I want to tell a little story from the, uh, from the time of the Buddha from the Buddhist, Buddhist, te- Buddhist texts. Uh, the Buddha's attendant, whose name was Ananda, was his cousin. And part of his job was to, uh, he had a photographic memory. And part of his job was to remember everything the Buddha said, all of, all of the uh, sermons and teachings he gave. And... Um, whenever the Buddha gave a teaching where Ananda wasn't present, the next time they saw each other, the Buddha would repeat it to him so that he could commit it to memory. And when the Buddha died and all of his disciples got together, uh, Ananda was the one who repeated many of the teachings that were then transmitted orally for hundreds of years and eventually written down. It's what we have today as the er the early uh, Pali canon. So one of the stories in those texts say that uh, Ananda and some of the other monks were sitting around talking and the Buddha came in and they all got very quiet and stopped talking. And so the Buddha asked them, he said, what were you talking about? (laughs) And Ananda says, we were talking about you, blessed one. And he says, oh, really? well, what were you saying? And so Ananda says, well, we were recounting all of your marvelous qualities. He says, ah, really? Well, like what? You know, tell me, what were you, what were you saying is so marvelous about me? So Ananda starts to recount these uh, very kind of mythic, legendary stories of the Buddha, how you were, um, you know, when you were born, the earth shook and the uh, devas in the heavens all sang and lotus uh, petals fell from the sky and 
all these kinds of stories, mythic stories of the Buddha's life, and Ananda saying with each story, and you know that I heard this from you, and each story he tells, the Buddha says, yes, that's so, and what else were you saying? And he tells another story, and yes, yes, that's so, and what else? And finally Ananda gets to the end, and the Buddha says, I see. Well, all of that being so, make sure that you remember this also as one of the marvelous and amazing qualities of the Buddha, of this being who's fully awake and enlightened. That he knows feelings as they arise, as they're present, and as they subside. That he knows thoughts as they arise, as they're present, and as they subside. That he knows perceptions as they are present and as they arise, as they're present and as they subside. Make sure you remember this also as one of the marvelous and amazing qualities of the Buddha. I think that's really profound that in the face of all of these kind of amazing superpowers and kind of mythic things, the Buddha says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't forget the real point, which is that I can see and observe what's happening in my heart and mind from moment to moment. I can see thoughts, feelings, and perceptions arise, be present, and subside. That's something that we can do, right? I can't make lotus petals fall from the sky, but I can watch my own mind. I can watch my own feelings. I can see them come and go. And so can you. All of us can do that. And so what's the benefit of that? What's the benefit of being able to observe the arising and passing of phenomena in our own heart? Well, have you ever felt stressed out? Has it ever felt like you would always feel stressed out? Have you ever felt sad or depressed? When feeling that way, has it ever felt like you would always feel that way? Right? That's because we don't see clearly. It's because we're not clearly seeing the arising, the presence, and the fading of these mental and emotional phenomena. So this is, this is, the, uh, this is the power of mindfulness and meditation practice, is that it stabilizes our awareness such that we start to actually see things changing. And when we see things changing, that creates a level of freedom inside because we don't need to be oppressed or defined by the things we experience. Because we see that they're not going to be around forever and ultimately they're not who or what we are. That a feeling of sadness is just that. It's just a feeling. It comes and it goes just like the weather. That a feeling of anxiety is just that, a feeling. It comes and it goes just like the weather. That a feeling of joy or happiness is just that, a 
feeling. It comes and it goes. It's not going to be here forever. It doesn't mean you've won or succeeded. It doesn't mean you're never going to be sad again. It doesn't mean you did something right. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a feeling. It comes and it goes. Actually, it does mean something. It means that some of your needs are getting met when we're happy. When we're unhappy, it means that some of our needs aren't getting met. That's what emotions tell us. They tell us something about our needs. It's just part of how we're wired. So over the course of the next four weeks, if you come on these Thursday nights, I'll be providing some guidance on how to do this. How, how to know our emotions as they arise or present and subside. And it takes practice. It really takes practice. And, and uh, on one level, it's very simple. And on another level, it's, it's, it's an art. It takes a lot, of, uh, a lot of different components all put together. The first of those is simply being aware. Simply being aware when an emotion is present. Being able to name it, to just know, oh, gosh, I'm feeling agitated. Sometimes we we actually are feeling a certain emotion, but we're not really aware of it. You ever have the experience of you're going through your day and you see someone who knows you or cares about you and they say, are you okay? You look a little down. And you go, oh God, you know, I am a little down. Thanks. And, and we were kind of like, we're just like in that space and didn't really know it. Have you ever had that experience? So sometimes we can be feeling something but not even be aware of it. So sometimes it's very clear. It's like, you know, right there in our face. But not all the time. And even when it's right there in our face, sometimes we're so consumed by it that we're not, actually, we're not actually aware of it. We're just lost in it. So what, we're, uh, what we practice to cultivate is the ability to be right in the middle. We're not suppressing our emotions or avoiding them or pretending they're not there. But on the same token, we're not drowning in them or indulging in them sinking in them, stirring them up. We're just aware of them in a balanced, clear way. And then they can do what they do, which is to arise, to be here, and to change or subside. And there's just space for that to happen. So the more we can be aware of our emotions and have that kind of balanced spaciousness about them, the more at home we are in our life, the more confidence we have. Life is only difficult to the extent that we're uncomfortable with the emotions we feel. It's only difficult to the extent that we have difficulty with the things that happen, right? 
So if we have the space to just feel our emotions without being tossed around by them, it it lends a certain kind of confidence and stability to the heart. We sense that we can handle things. You know, come what may. Life can feel more manageable and can feel more at home in ourselves and in our lives. So why don't, why don't we sit together and I'll offer some, I'll offer some guidance. First, just on being mindful of the body and the breath, and then a little bit on being mindful of any emotions that might be present. So sitting comfortably, letting your spine be relatively upright, And maybe, if you like, just beginning by feeling one or two areas that we tend to hold tension. So starting by feeling the jaw. Seeing if by just bringing awareness to the muscles in the jaw, if there can be any softening or relaxing. Letting the jaw be slightly slack. Maybe the mouth, the teeth part just slightly. And feeling the eyes. softening and relaxing all the muscles in the eyelids, around the eyes themselves. Just letting the eyes rest and float in the eye sockets. Softening the eyebrows and the forehead. And even the rest of the face. Letting the whole face be soft and relaxed. Sensing the position of your head and the neck. Allowing the head to float slightly above the spine, like someone were gently pulling a a string up through your spine through the crown of your head, letting the neck be long. 
and the shoulders relaxed. Taking a few moments then to just feel the body sitting. Noticing the sensations that actually let you know that you're sitting. And as you sit quietly, just feeling the body, maybe turning your attention to the heart, and just listening inwardly, how do you feel? Are there any emotions present? Seeing if you can just name whatever's happening, if anything. And then just coming back to feeling the body sitting, seeing if you can allow that emotion to just be there in the background without needing to do anything about it. Allowing the breathing to come into your awareness, if you like. Feeling the sensations of breathing in and breathing out, wherever you experience them most clearly. You don't need to bear down or focus intently, just letting yourself feel and receive however much or little of the sensations of breathing that you naturally experience.
breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Breathing out, feel the sensations of breathing out. At any point, you can let the breath go and just feel the body sitting. mind is bound to wander, to get captured by thoughts. It's completely natural. That's what its habit is, to think, follow them, follow thoughts. What's different is that from time to time as we sit here, you actually notice that. The moment that you notice, the moment that you wake up from a story or a thought is a moment that the meditation practice is working. It's a cause for appreciation. It means that mindfulness is strengthening. So when you notice that you've been lost in thought, you can just smile and say, oh great, the practice is working. Coming back to feeling the breath, feeling the body.
if you notice an emotion, see if you can just name it. Stepping back a little, just acknowledging it. Oh, frustration. Frustration. Giving it some space, letting it be there. Just coming back to feeling the body sitting or feeling the breathing. We don't need to do anything about it at this point. To just be aware of it and to name it.
You don't need to go looking for anything special. It's enough just to be here in a very simple way. Feeling the body, breathing. If and when some emotion does arise, comes into your awareness, then you can include it. Simply acknowledging it, naming it. You might notice how intense it is. Is it very strong? somewhere in the middle, or maybe more subtle. Again then, just allowing it to be there in the background. Coming back to feeling the body sitting or feeling the breathing.
Checking to see if your jaw is still relaxed. Are the eyes, the eyebrows relaxed? Is the spine, <coughs> is the spine still upright?
If, uh, if you need to stand up or stretch your legs, please feel free. Mm-hmm. What was the eff- yeah anxiety? What was the effect of of naming it? I want to say what that was like just to just to name the emotion. Did that have any effect? I see a nod. Uh-huh. So mentally and physically she settled in. Anyone else want to say yeah? Um, it was the opposite for me. Mhm. So yours was fear. And yes. when you named it what was the effect? Um, maybe Did, there was something else. What is it causing? So when you named it you went up into thought yes. and started thinking about it. Okay. So this is one of the things that we uh, we'll start to learn to differentiate between our thoughts and our emotions. And to be able, when there's an emotion, to know the difference between the storyline and the actual experience of the emotions this is a very, very important distinction. So she's, for anyone who can't hear, she's saying that she wasn't sure if she was naming the right emotion, so there was some confusion about it. She felt, you felt off-center, and then you were looking for the right name. So, yeah. So sometimes maybe just to note confusion. Or sometimes we, we might not even know the name. It might just be off-center. Or just feeling weird. It doesn't need to be precise. It could just be enough to just name it generally. So I want to talk a little bit more about bringing awareness to the emotions, and then we'll and then we'll uh, just continue kind of having some discussion and questions. Um, so the idea is that we're wanting to make space for the emotion to to include it. Oftentimes, our tendency is to do is to do all kinds of other things: to react to it, to judge it, to try to run away from it, to try to change it, to try to analyze it or understand it. But instead, to just try to make space for it. So, being aware of it is the first step in that direction. Just seeing: can I just be aware of whatever emotion is here? So, in the way that I teach about emotions. Um, I I talk about a few different steps, and we'll be doing one of these each week. So today is awareness. Next week we'll be talking about balance, how to stay balanced in relation to an emotion, how to not get consumed by it or uh, feel afraid of it, how to find balance, particularly with strong, difficult emotions. It's really important. And then the next step is making space for the emotion, which is supported by bringing an attitude of curiosity and care. So having a certain kind of relationship with the emotions. Can we be open to them? To actually be open to feeling an unpleasant emotion. It's easy to be open to feeling pleasant emotions. Can we be open, can we be curious about feeling unpleasant emotions? 
And then the last step is for particularly challenging or difficult emotions to have the right support internally and externally. So I call this the ABCs of emotion, emotions. Awareness, balance, curiosity, care, and support. ABCs. Okay. So in being aware of our emotions, first we're just trying to get a sense of what's happening, what's moving through me. And some of that is just remembering to pay attention in that way. Starting to develop more of a vocabulary, sort of a sensory vocabulary for our emotions. right? So being able to actually discern what is this? Discerning how intense it is. So like if it were on a scale of a zero to a 10, where is it on that scale? So we're starting to refine our capacity to be aware of the emotion. Knowing what it is, how intense it is, what flavor it is. Maybe getting familiar with what are, the, what are sort of the top five for you? You know, we, we tend to have um, our favorites, like our inner playlist of emotions, you know. So where do you spend the most time? You know, are you sort of kind of a, a chipper person? And you just sort of, that's kind of, or are you slightly sour? Or, you know, um, maybe bored? Maybe cynical, like like what's what are the what are the flavors of emotion that you tend to hang out in, and just starting to become aware of those. So you know, oh yeah, it's this one again, or oh it's that one again. Instead of it being so personal, it just becomes oh it's this. Now it's now the weather's like this. Now the weather's like that again. So as we become aware of our emotions in this way this is one of the things we start to see more is how they come and go. We have to actually be aware of them and accept them to be able to see them changing. I remember one of the first times I had an insight into this. I was, uh, I was living and working at a Buddhist meditation center in central Massachusetts. And I was on my way to uh, something in the the town nearby, uh, sort of a, a college town. It was about 45 minutes away, so it was a bit of a drive. And uh, very long roads through the forest, very beautiful drive. And I was feeling very anxious about something. I, I don't remember what it was. Um, but my mind was kind of preoccupied with something and I was, I was worked up over it. And then just during the course of the drive, my mind started wandering to other thoughts and other things. And, but I, I, when I was feeling anxious, I was aware of it. I actually noticed, wow, a lot of anxiety here and really felt it. And then at a certain point, mindfulness returned and I noticed, wow, I'm not anxious at all anymore. Like the mind just put it down and it completely forgot. I couldn't even remember what it was. It had vanished completely. And in that moment, there was this, just this 
insight into, wow, it's gone. Whatever that was that seemed so real, that was so important five minutes ago, is now completely gone. I saw that very clearly. So when we start paying attention to our emotions, we start being aware of them, accepting them, noticing them, naming them, that potential to actually see them change shows up. Our tendency is to stay in the storyline that's fueling the emotion. So if it were this thing that I was anxious about in that story, let's say it's something I needed to do that I was feeling nervous about, then the mind would keep thinking about it. Well, how am I going to do that? It's going to be challenging. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. What if it doesn't work out? The more I think about that, the more anxious I feel. The more anxious I feel, the more I think about it. And it just goes on, right? And then I keep trying to think about it to try to resolve it. But it doesn't seem to resolve. I just keep getting more anxious because I still keep thinking about it. So the, the practice here is one of becoming aware, of actually seeing the process that's happening putting the thoughts down and actually become actually noticing the emotion itself as a phenomenon. Just like when you were sitting, some emotion comes up to just know, oh, this is this emotion. To just see it as a particular object of awareness. Just like just like that sound is an object that's heard by the ear. An emotion is an object of awareness that's known by the heart-mind. It comes together due to certain conditions. When those conditions change, it's no longer there. It fades, it breaks up. So shifting our attention from the story to the actual experience of the emotion, being just aware of that, and making space for it, including it. From the perspective of our meditation practice, um, all emotions are okay. Pleasant ones, unpleasant ones, strong ones, subtle ones, ones we like, ones we don't like, they're all okay. They're all just different objects of awareness that come and go. When emotions become a problem is when we act on them unconsciously. That's, that's where emotions become problematic, when we're not aware of them. It's through not being aware of them and through not being able to tolerate them that they become emo- a problem, that they drive us to certain actions that might be destructive to ourselves or others. Positive emotions can be destructive. You can be, you know really, really happy and ecstatic and you do something that's uh, not helpful for you or for someone else, it can be very misattuned. You know, if you're so consumed with how happy you are and someone else, your friend of yours, isn't, isn't in a good mood, you know, it can be very self-centered, right? So it's when we're not aware of our emotions 
and we act on them unconsciously, that they can cause problems. But the emotion in and of itself is just an emotion. So just, so the beginning here is just being willing to include them in our awareness, naming them. When we name something, we have a relationship with it. As soon as we name something, we're no longer that thing. You've, you've, st- you've stepped back from it just a little bit. So, if you're afraid, if there's fear present, there's a difference between, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid, and, oh, this is fear. This is the experience of fear. This is the emotion of fear. That awareness of the fear is not the fear. It's awareness. The awareness of the sound is not the sound. You're aware of the sound? That's not the sound, right? That's awareness. It's knowing the sound. So in the same way, when there's an emotion, your awareness of that emotion is not the emotion. So naming an emotion uh, makes those two a little bit more clear. There's the object and the awareness. So this is why, why naming the emotion is such an important tool and beginning to become aware of them and beginning to start to uh, have a relationship of wisdom and balance with their emotions. So naming the emotion, knowing how intense it is, and understand, starting to see the difference between the story of the emotion and the feeling itself, what's actually happening. Okay, so why don't we open it up if there are questions or comments about anything I've shared or the meditation. And if not, I can just keep yapping. It's fine. Just wait for the mic so others can hear you. So you said that... um, about your experience, right? When you were so anxious and then when you became aware of your anxiety and you said mind, when mindfulness returned, that anxiety disappeared. So exactly can you explain what happened in that moment that you suddenly became, you became aware of it mm-hmm. and that's why it went away? So, good, good question. It's not quite... Not, not quite what happened. Um, sometimes being aware of an emotion, it vanishes. Did anyone have that experience? You were sitting and you know, you, there was an emotion and you named it and just being aware, all of a sudden it just, it just dissolves. That happens sometimes. When an emotion is particularly strong, that ne- won't necessarily happen. And sometimes it might diminish a little bit. Sometimes it might actually get more intense when you become aware of it. It's like you turn towards it and all of a sudden it's like it gets more intense. Um, so it's very important to not set up the expectation that being mindful, being aware of an emotion will make it go away. That's called aversion. 
That's called wanting it to go away. That's not being mindful. So in the story I told, um, the emotion faded because my mind started thinking about other things and it just faded on its own. Everything needs fuel to exist. But the problem remains, right? Your problem, whatever the problem was, it was there still. Or the problem also went away? or the problem It depends on what the... I don't remember what the situation was. A, a lot of our problems don't really exist. A lot of our problems are just self-created. Yeah. You know, some are not, some are real, right? But even the ones that are real, if you really start looking at them, there's a certain percentage that's, at, that's actual and then another percentage that's just created. That's our reaction and worry and fear and anxiety and projection about it. Or if it's in the past, our remembering and wishing and worrying and it should have, shouldn't have been or it should have been about it. So uh, I don't remember what the situation was and if it was something that was just internally created that I didn't need to be worrying about or if it was something concrete. But the, the, the interesting thing there is that um, everything needs, needs fuel to exist. So everything, in particularly in the, in the human body, our body needs fuel, our mind needs fuel. So it, it, it consciousness needs fuel, it feeds on something. And so an emotion feeds on something to continue to exist. When the fuel for that emotion is not there anymore, it fades, it dissolves. Just, just like, you know, if the electricity gets cut off, this mic and the lights go out. It's not that the fuel isn't there anymore. So with many of our emotions, the fuel for them are our thoughts and our thoughts and our reaction to the emotion. When, that, when the thinking about it and the reactivity to it starts to go down, then the emotion doesn't have fuel anymore and what's what's been the energy that's been stimulated can just live out its life and resolve So since this week we're talking about awareness of emotions, um, what if um, if we have problems being actually aware of our emotions? Mm -hmm. So um, I know personally, um, I think my emotions are afraid of me, so they don't show up. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of like, you know, now that I'm starting to meditate, I kind of see like, oh, something is wrong. Like I have this kind of, um, I don't know if it's like an emotion, but like, for example, like this evening I was eating and I finished to eat and I'm like, oh, I'm starving. And then I'm like, but I just ate. Um, and, you know, then I realize it's not, it has nothing to do with being hungry. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking there must be an emotion. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't go to the emotion knowing I have an emotion. So I don't know how to even start from what you're describing because where do I get to be aware? Is it when something is kind of like wrong? But it's not at the emotional level that I go and try to, you know, I'm confused. Okay, thank you. It's a great question. Um, so there, there are a few things I'll say. Uh, first, just to acknowledge that each of us has our own relationship to emotions and our own experience about emotions. And so someone else might be on the way opposite end of the spectrum where all I feel are emotions and they're too much and they're overwhelming and I feel like I'm always kind of flooded with emotion, right? And one isn't better or worse than the other. So just just to kind of be clear about that first, that there's nothing unusual about what you're saying. And there's the whole range of experiences that people have based on all kinds of factors, many of which I mentioned at the beginning of our evening. Okay? So just wanting to let you know like it's completely normal and, and not a problem, I don't think. And what I'm hearing is that you're curious. Like, how do I feel? What is going on in my heart? Yeah? So am I getting that right? And where do I begin to start to be aware of my emotions? Yes. So, you know, this whole topic, that's why right. I'm coming here, is like, um, I feel that, um, you know, maybe it's coming from my past, like my father denied emotion, my mm-hmm. mother was overwhelmed by emotion. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I don't know how right. to be in the, in the middle, like right. you're talking about this balance. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, I'm so, confused. So let me make a few suggestions. So one... I'm a huge believer in the power of intention, that um, our intentions have effects. And um, I can prove it to you right now. Every one of you had an intention to come tonight. Now you're here in this room. Intention has effects. And the Buddha said, um, intention is karma. It's the intention behind action that creates the, uh, the effect of it. So, intention. So, you can, you can take, take it on as a practice to just say to yourself once a day um, and find your own words for this, but something like, I'm willing to feel whatever is here. What happens when you hear that? Uh, I guess it makes me smile. It makes you smile. <laughs> it makes me smile because I guess I was not willing to feel whatever is here. Right. So it's very powerful when we, when we just saying something like that, there's something in our psyche that hears that, that, that says, oh, well, this is different. She hasn't let me feel things for quite a while. <laughs> Now she's saying it's okay. You know, I, I don't know if I trust her, like you're saying. You know, but you're, you're starting to engage your heart in a relationship. 
And you're saying, no, it's okay. You can come over and have tea. I'll be here, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to feel what's here. I'm open to feeling what's here. Find your own words for it. But to send that message to your own heart. Okay, that's one thing you can do. And then let it go. You don't have to go figuring it out or digging. Just let it go. Just once a day, just, very, just kind of center yourself, get quiet, and just kind of say that to yourself. Feel it, and then let it go, and just don't worry about it. It'll, it'll work its way through you. Um, a second thing is periodically throughout your day when you remember, and I recommend this for everyone for, for this practice for this week, is just put your hand on your heart and ask yourself, how do I feel right now? You might not get an answer. You might not know. That's fine. That doesn't matter. What's important is the asking, is the question, the inquiry. How do I feel right now? And just listen. Listen and feel, particularly try to become aware of this area in your, in your heart. That's the second thing. That might be enough. Yeah? Okay, good. Uh, um, is this on? Yes. Okay. Um, so what I was feeling at first was some anxiety. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I allowed that, then it sort of transformed into a sadness. Mm-hmm. And, it, um, and it made me think of a fellow I knew who had been clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. And he told me that this depression caused a great deal of anxiety in him. I imagine because he felt like uh, he was never going to get over it, and mm-hmm. that you know that was anxiety provoking, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my case, the anxiety and the sadness were um, in my life was just so f- is, is so full of so many things. I'm trying to get uh, through, do things, and mm-hmm. uh, and a sense that I don't have enough time and not. I've overcharged my life, and um, uh, you know I'm starting to nod off because I'm not getting enough sleep and that kind of thing. And I'm wondering then uh, maybe in this case my anxiety really was just a shell over the the sadness of feeling like I've deprived myself by overloading myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so the upshot of what I'm saying is uh, one. Emotion, if you examine it, may just turn out to be hiding another. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Sometimes there, and sometimes there can be many layers. There's one, and then we feel that, and it transforms or gives way to another, which then gives way to another. That can happen. One thing that I would, um, so there's something very interesting in what you said, which is. We ha- I think we have a natural desire to understand where our emotions come from. And uh, there, we'll, we'll, we'll look at this in a couple weeks, but I want to just say something about it now. Um, there's a time and a place to inquire, like what's this about? What is this need from me? Right? Like, is this telling me something? 
You know, like I was hearing in what you were saying that maybe this is, as you become aware of it, there's this sense maybe I need to slow down some or, or pull back some. You know, that there's, there might be a need there that actually requires some action or some more reflection. Okay? So there's a time and a place for that with our emotions. From the perspective of the meditation itself, we're just making space for the emotion in its own terms. And we don't need to actually necessarily even understand it. Sometimes there's a meaning there. Sometimes there isn't. Or it's not apparent. And that's okay. We don't always need to understand it. In fact, sometimes it's, it's, there's something quite profound about being able to allow and feel an emotion and not need to understand it, to not need to get involved with it and just know, oh, this is sadness. And we feel it and it's here and we feel it and it's here and it gets more intense and then it starts to fade and then, it, and then it's gone. And that's it. And we don't need to go figure it out or understand it or make it mean anything. Yeah. Thanks. Is that a question or? Okay. We have time for one or maybe two more depending on the length. A uh, couple of things. One is that I, um, like I felt irritation, and, um, and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. But I don't notice them going sometimes. I just You don't notice what? I don't notice the emotions going yeah. sometimes. Great. And then I go, hey, where is that guy? Right, right. And I feel really surprised. Right, like, right. Like, I thought that was the end of the world, and now everything seems fine. Right. I, it's like that experience I had in the car that yeah, I talked about, right? Yeah, All of a sudden, sudden it's gone. Boom, and I feel like... Yes. I feel like... I'm not paying attention. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really unaware. I'm just kind of being swept along in this wild sea. So that's one of the ones. And then the other... Can uh, I comment on that before you add sure. another? So uh, great observation. And it's like that sometimes. Um, one, you're not just being swept along because you noticed that it was gone. But you missed the moment that it faded. Okay, so um, it's very important to, 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 to just to track the emotion and notice whenever it is that we notice that it's changed. Whenever, that, whenever the awareness comes back, it doesn't matter. Appreciate it. Oh, great. I'm aware again. This is a good thing, you know? And look, the emotion's different now. It's more intense. It's less intense. It's changed to something else, whatever. Just notice that. Over time, as you practice with it, and as your mindfulness gets stronger, then you will start to be able to see, like the Buddha was talking about, you will see it be here, change, and pass. But it takes, us, it takes the mindfulness being more steady and continuous to actually see that. And uh, my second point is, um, I... Particularly emotions that I don't like, fear or anxiety, uh, anger, uh, any of those really, um, I notice I want to control them. Mm -hmm. And and I notice it's better if I just 
say, God, I'm pissed, and I notice that I'm really angry, mm -hmm. or, wow, oh, man, I'm really scared. Mm -hmm. This is really scary. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and so, but my, a lot of times I get so caught up in the emotion that, like you were saying, and it was really helpful, that, that I don't realize that, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm sort of a dangerous person, and then I catch myself and went, mm -hmm. whoa, mm -hmm. look, what's, look what's kind of possessed you. It is almost, feel, I feel uh, uh, that if I don't become aware of them, that I become possessed by yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and what, what you're talking about is what we'll be looking at next week, which is our relationship with the emotion. Are we trying to control it? Are we afraid of it? Or can we find that sweet spot in the middle? where we're just aware of it, where we're making space for it, we're including it, we're just aware of it. And then, what, so we become aware of the emotion, then we, then we just see, how am I relating to it? Am I, pushing, am I pushing it on it? Am I pulling away from it? Am I feeding it? Or am I balanced in relation to it? When we're balanced in relation to it, then we can be mindful of it. Then we can actually just observe it and, 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 and know it directly. Feel it, know it, and allow it. Yeah, so last comment. Yeah, just very quick. Um, I came a little late. Just a question. Are you, um, just during the four-week retreat, are you doing any meditation? Maybe um, going through some meditation advice, tips, ideas? When, um, yeah. I mean, like today, for instance, was the guided meditation, which was for me absolutely helpful. Yeah. Perfect today. Yeah. Just some different. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Specifically related to emotions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. So, um, so if you want to continue uh, joining me you know, on these Thursday nights, uh, my suggestion is that this week you... Uh, just try to pay attention to what emotions you feel, naming them. Uh, notice how intense they are. You know, you just kind of get, get a sense of the where is it on the spectrum. Um, and see if there can be this, just this sense of stepping back, right? Just seeing that the awareness of the emotion isn't the emotion, just to step back. Oh, this is, this is fear, anxiety, sadness, happiness, joy, contentment, whatever the emotion is. And if, uh, if you aren't noticing a lot of emotions and just, you know, just practicing a sense of like, well, how do I feel right now? And just making space for that. Noticing the difference between the storyline of the emotion and the actual emotion itself, just the feeling of it. So let's all just, let's just sit quietly together for a moment or two uh, to close.